And also, it's good to write them down because I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven questions, uh, and two of them got answered without me having to ask them. So, like, you went back and cool, kind of wonderful, kind of nailed them. So, uh, and they were uh, the the two that were answered were: Should you pray for interpretation every time you speak in tongues, um, like even in your own quiet time? And yes, like that's a that's a good thing to do because they could act as prophecy in your own life. Um, and then I had written down, because uh, you had said that prophecy wasn't a greater gift than tongues, when the Paul literally says later on in that, I was like, uh, yes it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we went back. Um, so uh, one, the next question that I had was, um, you had initially said whenever you uh, are in church, um, you just speak in tongues, like, and if the the interpreter if the interpreter doesn't show up, well, that's not your fault, not your problem, kind of thing. Um, and I agree with that to some extent, but then also in uh, we read it later on um, where Paul is saying um, because if there's unbelievers or, or new believers that come into the church, like they're gonna think you're crazy, like like if. Everyone, like so if everyone took on that heart of oh well if there's no interpreter not my fault not my problem like shouldn't yeah. there be some like I, I feel like it's actually like like because I'm, I'm not against like speaking in tongues at all like mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% for it but I also think that there's a spiritual <clears throat> maturity and also a spiritual discernment that a believer has to have at some point that just doesn't have them go everywhere they go you know yeah. like um, I think like like is and that? I, is, I think I clarified that we. That if you're going to speak in front of the congregation, you better make sure that there's someone there to prophesy, somebody there to interpret, or you have the interpretation. Or you need to make sure you get an interpretation. But at that point, why even speak in tongues? Just say the prophecy. Um, so I think that uh, I agree. I, I don't disagree with you. I I don't think that we should risk losing people uh, because of confusion. I think it's not love. I think it's showboating. If you um, if you just have to speak in tongues in front of everybody, I think that's showboating. I don't think that's humbleness. Yeah. I think it's it's. Um, now, if you. There's also. But then again, how are you going to practice public interpretation of tongues, without taking some risk either? Well, I think that there's a organization, that, and this is where your, you know, your spiritual people like me come into play, where we're very organized and stuff, and we're like. Like, basically, if you have an elder, like, here's what I think, sh- how I think it should be going about in a church setting, right? Somebody is like, I feel tongues, and I know that it's for this congregation. Because I think that there's going to be a a definitive, this is for the congregation, or this is for you, you know? I think that there's going to be a defining, like, situation there. And the only reason I, I, I say that is, is from experience and knowing... The difference, like, I don't think I don't think that the Lord is going to give a prophetic tongues to an immature Christian. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I that's just because I, I don't know. Anyway, um, but I think shouldn't it be brought before like the the pastor and the elders? And I think it should always be submitted, and then those elders need to be practicing discernment yes. like, and so if they discern yes this is of the Lord and at that point the elders and the pastor can go in front of the congregation 
before the tongue is even delivered and say we have somebody that has a tongue for the congregation we have somebody that is that is receiving tongues for the congregation and is there an interpreter is there are there interpreters you know and if people like people are going to feel that unction before the tongue's even there man the spirit does i agree i the think spirit be, of the lord is there's no confusion i like, think that if you say i think if you did that that would be very safe yeah say we have someone here who has a tongue is there anyone here who feels led right now that they're supposed to interpret this tongue and then bring him up put him on yeah. the spot i think i think apostle paul was just literally talking about uh, he was you're you're you know you're right you know he's just bringing order you know, he was just bringing order because you do get those people that are immature they do get tongues like i don't name somebody but i would not want to bring that name are you still recording yeah okay. i don't want to name his name so i just think it's more of a sense of like he was just bringing order to people who did speak tongues who are mature because he also said there's that here he also said that that hey, be mature about it. Be you know, because that's what he says. He talks about maturity, you know, and and so um, I think most of it is just like order. So if you do get if you do get tons, uh, there's an order to it, you know, and it's personally for you. And it's not personally. It's uh, and if it is for the congregation, then like uh, you have to yes, you're right. You have to have an interpretation because someone's going to think you're crazy getting up there in front of public and just speaking in tongues all the time um and so uh but anyway i will i will say that one time there was this person who literally jumped out of no just we were in a congregation and he literally stood up and just started speaking in tongues yeah and this congregation was is all about order they believe in tongues but they want order and this guy just stood up right in the middle of the service didn't talk to a pastor nobody yeah and that's immaturity, and yeah. that, that shouldn't happen. Well, because, yeah, because Apostle Paul talks about maturity, you know, and so, and he's all about order. He was just all about order. How is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to look like? So, yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, like, someone's a lot less likely to leave a church service if <clears throat> it's done and, and communicated to them, you know, because... The biggest reason why people would get offended is because they don't understand it, you know? Like, yeah. and, and they don't, yeah, they just don't get it. Um, so, when we talk about, like, um, we also talked about in this thing, uh, the uh, theology issues behind uh, congregations that believe in tongues versus congregations that don't. And you said that there was actually people that said, you might want to go down to the church in the road uh, if you speak in tongues, you know? Um so, how can we reunite if if the body like breaks off? Like like the issues here aren't necessarily theology issues because here's the thing: is I, I believe people can go to heaven without believing in tongues. Yeah, you know. Um, but the thing is, I don't think that we could be united if we just keep kicking people out because they don't believe exactly how we believe. Yeah. So the issues really aren't like as, as far as uniting the body; they're not these theology issues there are these love issues that the body has with itself um so how can we as believers this guy help huh 
That, the guy that said this was a doctorate in, in, in theology. He said this guy. Like, like this guy. I was like, what did I do? What did I say? No, like, no, no, no. Like, I was saying the guy who said this at church service said, uh, he said he was a doctorate. And I, it makes me question, like, how in the world do you get your doctor's degree and not have this knowledge of First Corinthians chapter 14? And what I'm realizing is that these people are, they're going to school and they're learning what they're told to learn. And they're not, st- they're not going to discover. That was one thing about getting out of college, and I didn't get my doctorate or nothing. But I was able to do my own studies, you know. And I didn't have to be told by a professor what I should believe and what I should study. Um, I got to go study on my own and learn from all kinds of different people. And also, I read through my Bible. Like, I went to Bible college and never read my Bible. I'm pretty sure there's other people that go to Bible college that don't read through their Bible. They study every other book out there, but they don't read their Bible. Or they come to a program and don't read their Bible at all. Or they come to the program and don't read their Bible. Don't sit here and just listen to everything I say. You need to read your Bible, man. You know. Absolutely. But I think, like you said, the love thing is an issue. Um, how do you? How do you? You're asking. Are you asking a question like how do we resolve? Yeah, like I mean, I mean, I guess that's like the big age old like how can we unify the body, but. Um, how, like, as believers, like, if somebody came up to me and said, well, if you believe this, then you just need to go down to the church in the road. Yeah. Um, like, or the church down the road. Um, I just don't think they're just operating in life. Like, <laughs> well, you know what, what, what could, what, okay, somebody, okay, so, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking from a point of view, like, let's say uh, me and my wife moved away, um, and started a, trying to find a home church in the location that we had, um, been saved for a while. Like, how can I operate in love towards this body, um, and and perhaps even like like what's the best way for me to correct that kind of behavior in the body? Okay, like, number number one, as somebody that doesn't have authority in, in that congregation, really. There's a know? there's a there's a passive leadership. There's no way to lead. Without being in the front, we learned about this is last week. Yeah. Um, but number one, whenever you go to be a part of a church body, if you're a Christian and you believe that you can hear God's voice, then you should pray and ask God if this is the church you should serve at. Mm-hmm. It's not about attending church, first of all. Number one, like if if you're going to church to attend there, then you're you might as well just stay at home and watch TV. When you go to church, we come to church to serve, not to get entertained. Okay, so if God is telling you to go to a church, then he's also told you to serve there. Which means you're not permitted to leave because you don't like something. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of hard. Like I, A lot of people say, well, I'll go to the church because this guy feeds me. Stop going somewhere because they feed you. Go somewhere because that's where God led you. Then you serve there. Yeah. So if this church doesn't agree with everything that you've come to understand... This is whenever you start to go to your pastors and say, could I have a private meal time with you? And and you don't sit there and correct them. You sit there and you open the scripture with them. Mm-hmm. And you say, this is my understanding. And make sure you've studied because otherwise you'll get indoctrinated. You want to make sure that you're studied up and that you're asking questions. A pastor, if you come up to a pastor who really seeks God, first of all, if God's telling you to go to that church and you heard God to go to that church, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chances are you may have some influence on this on these peoples. Mm-hmm. Not that you're trying to change them or that you're trying to seek your own agenda, but there is a respectful and honorable way to approach your elder and say, "I just have a question. 
this is something that I've believed for a while or I've come to understand and I have I want clarification because you're my pastor and I'm submitted to you mm-hmm. the Lord's told me to be here so I'm submitted to you but this is a concern of mine do you mind having some coffee with me and going through these scriptures with me mm-hmm. and that's very um, respectful like you don't have to sit there and prove them wrong or slam them and say you're a heretic I can't believe you're 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 a horrible person for teaching that you should be ashamed of it. You don't have to do that. You can go respectfully and say, I submit to you as my pastor. I have some questions. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, a man of God, uh, that's why the Bible says that a kind word will turn away wrath. So, if a hum- look, I'll tell you what. If somebody was to come to me and ask me those questions, and I was pretty solid on my belief on it, you better, you best believe that I'm going to sit there and I'm going to question myself. Yeah. Because I'm really a pursuer of truth. And that's why even when you stopped me in the middle of the teaching a minute ago, I said, do you have something you want to say? First of all, you're my you're my right-hand man. You've been walking with me for years. Uh, and so I, I, I would allow you to stop me in the middle of a sermon and, and, and say, well, what about this, Zach? Because I trust your motive that you're not trying to kill me or destroy me. Yeah. You're actually here to um, make sure that I'm not – you're trying to protect me mm-hmm. from speaking something that's off. And so in a small group setting like this, it's no big deal. Um and even then you would say, well, I'll hold my questions to the end. You know, there's a there was an honorable and respectful way to gradually, uh, you know, um, bring up certain things. Because sometimes pastors might not have thought about it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember bringing up um, uh, something about prophecy to uh, uh, my, one of my pastors one day. He taught about prophecy being always good words and only edification and uplifting. And I said, well, I just have a concern because I agree with you that if we're in Christ, there is no condemnation in Christ. Mm-hmm. But if we're not in Christ, there is a prophecy already that is looming over everyone, and that is hell. Read Jeremiah. That is, <laughs> that is a prophecy a that the of, king will come yeah. and there will be bloods in the street. That's New Testament prophecy. How can we look at New Testament prophecy? and How can we look at the book of Revelation and not say... How can we look at the book of Revelation and say... That God doesn't prophesy bad things. Yeah. God does prophesy bad things. The question is, do they apply to the one who's in covenant with God? And the answer is no. And so if I am in covenant with the Lord and I'm walking with God, then I don't have anything to fear. If I'm resisting God, then I do have much to fear. Mm. And so I brought this up to him uh, and I said, listen, and that's why I said to him, I said, look, you're my pastor and I'm here, I'm submitted to you. And I'm not trying to come against you or rebel. I said, I actually just have a, I have a, a genuine concern because I've been studying the word and this is bothering me. And I just have some questions. Mm-hmm. And this, this the pastor just was humble. Yeah. Humble. I mean, he was like, thank you, Zach, for bringing this to my attention. And the next thing he thought on was that, but he he added a few things to help make it more true. So when people don't get read the Old Testament, they don't get confused. He's like, look, in the Old Testament, they had some bad prophecies like this. But people weren't obeying God. They weren't in covenant with God. But when you're in covenant with God, you have nothing to fear. So he was able to clear that up with just a few explanations. It's still the same thing he was saying, but it was more complete. And so sometimes what we realize in our scripture is that there's things that we're learning that's just not complete. It's not a complete thought. That's why we can't teach in one hour. Mm -hmm. Because I really can't teach all about spiritual gifts or faith and say one cookie cutter answer one one liner and think that I'm going to solve all your theological questions There's yeah. a, it, the balance the scripture balances one another how can God be good 
and still judge sin? How can God be a just God and show mercy? And there's a beautiful thing with Jesus where he makes the balance of it all. And so all your all your paradoxical questions can be answered in Jesus. Yeah. And anyway. Um long answer to it. No, that was that was good. That was it answered the question, so that was a good answer. Um the last little part, and it was what actually you asked me, do you have anything on this, um, is when we were talking about praying in the Spirit uh, being uh, synonymous with praying in tongues. Yeah. Um, I believe that praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit, but can you pray in the Spirit without praying in tongues? Traditionally, I always thought that praying in the Spirit was not tongues. I did not know that tongues was even an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought that it was just a, it was a like an attitude of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that is in the Bible though, except for praying the Spirit. Well, okay, so I, I, I and the reason that I'm actually questioning this is because even uh, whenever the Bible talks about worship and how we should worship, we should worship in spirit and in truth. And mm. so I, I I actually got a revelation uh, earlier on about worship and how worshiping in spirit like that's where you had some of the prophetic worship and stuff coming out where right. like spiritual gifts were moving inside of the worship and then um and so that's when i was like okay singing in tongues and worshiping in tongues is is okay in a, in a personal setting you know um and so there was you know there was a lot of revelation that came from that but also um like in prayer um if I'm praying over somebody, and the Lord shows me something specifically to pray for. Like, that's uh, a word of knowledge, you know, that this person didn't tell me, um, but is in such dire need that the Lord says, this is this is an issue. Is that not also praying in the Spirit? Good question. I think that... Um... Because it also says in, in Ephesians 6, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Like... And so, if we're if we're to be sensitive to new believers and stuff, I can't just go up to somebody and start praying in tongues and 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 expect them to ask me to pray for them again, <laughs> especially if they're yeah. a new believer, because they're going to be like, uh. Well, and I know? even then I've prayed for people really quietly in tongues. Mm-hmm. And I just don't let them know I'm speaking in tongues. Um, but my next question would be: Is there an Old Testament scripture? Because the only time for sure that we know tongues um, was was um, prevalent was after Jesus. So I would be curious to find out if Old Testament has any scriptures on praying in the Spirit. Okay. Because if it does, then that would that would be, I think, more a prophetic thing. It's a prayer language. I would say yes uh, to to your question that you asked. Is speaking in tongues have to be with your spirit? I said yeah, uh, because I want. No, no. It's, My question was, can you pray in the spirit without speaking in tongues? Oh no, I yeah, say no. I think you can't. But 
if I could find a scripture that says it. Otherwise, I would be very curious. Because here's the reason. I've never known what praying in the Spirit was until 13. I found 1 Corinthians 14, 14. It said, when we pray in tongues, it's our spirit man prays. And so that's when I when that, it hit and me. That, and that means, okay, so that translates that way. But if I, I would like something that said, that translates the other way. When you pray in spirit, you pray in tongues. That's what I want. Uh, for, for it to be every time you pray in the spirit, it's praying in tongues. Like there's a lot that talks about praying in the spirit, but then there's only that verse in 1 Corinthians that says, when you pray in tongues, you pray in the spirit. And tongues has already been described as a spiritual gift. So if another spiritual gift is manifesting, like if I'm praying for somebody and they get healed, well, that's a gift of healing right there. Is that not praying in the spirit? It's interesting. I so I'm gonna write maybe. I say no. <laughs> I think I think uh, I guess the reason why I came so strong on on that conclusion was because all my life I thought, what is praying in the spirit? Mm-hmm. No one had any biblical evidence that they could show me that taught me what it meant to pray in the spirit. It said to do it, mm-hmm. but it didn't tell me how. And then I found that scripture that said praying the spirit. Um, you know, that speaking in tongues is praying the spirit. And so when I saw that, it it answered my question. I was like, oh, so I'm supposed to be speaking in tongues on all occasions. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, it also helped me see, oh, that's a you know praying in the spirit. That's what praying. I always thought praying in the spirit was just have an attitude of solemnness. Like that's what I always thought it was. Mm-hmm. But nobody could show me in scripture that that's what it was. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I had no biblical evidence saying that praying in the Spirit was having an attitude of solemn prayer attitude all the time. There was no biblical evidence for that. All I could do was guess at what it was from what I was reading. And so I guess why I'm so, why my conclusion is so strong on it is simply because it answered a question that I always had. What is praying in the Spirit? And then I found that verse. That's why. So I don't, just to be honest with you, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the first time I have taught on tongues in eight years. Because okay. I'm, I've, I've been on a constant searching, and I don't know all the answers yet. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's some of the greater mysteries. You know, it's, it's yeah. stuff that's like, you really have to dig in. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna write maybe on that one. Because um, uh, I'll say this too: there's things like when people say, "Well, the Holy Spirit came after Jesus." I took that for, I took that for granted. I like when people said that to me. Oh, the Holy Spirit didn't come until Jesus left. I I just took that for face value when people said it. And then as I started studying the Word, I noticed no, there was the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirt- Spirit came all the time. All like, the time. It was. He came and went, and the he fell. Thing is, like, like Jesus was the only one that I think, whenever the Holy Spirit descended on him, I don't think he let it go. <laughs> like like I think Jesus was literally the first person to ever walk out. Because all of the old like Testament prophets and the judges and stuff where the Holy Spirit would come upon them, it was in that instance they were empowered to do the work of the Lord. And then when Jesus, when it, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, it never really talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus again. Because I don't think Jesus let it let leave. I think yeah. he said, all right, it's with me. I'm going to keep it with me for the rest of my life. You yeah. know, and it wasn't until you're right. It like, never said that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says he was filled with compassion. Yeah, but it didn't say he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Peter was, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and you could tell that the it came and went. It seemed yeah. like yeah, and so I think, I think Jesus like even more so than people realize because people talk about Jesus like showing us how to live. You know, 
I think Jesus was even in that like depth showing you this is how you live with the Holy Spirit on you all the time. Like, yeah. you know. And um but it wasn't until even after that where the veil was torn that that was even an option. It makes you really. wonder if Jesus ever spoke in tongues. He probably did. Cuz he never uh he never did it in front of anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And which maybe well, when, he, when, when he prayed, he went off by himself. <laughs> I'm just curious, you know. Anyway, so anyway, I think it would have been recorded. I don't think he did, but um, anyway, but walking in the spirit—that's why the scripture says walk in the spirit. So does that mean I should walk in tongues? Yeah. <laughs> but you're saying it says walk in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so there is also inference of scripture where it says set your mind on things of the spirit and. And you know, and you'll reap, you know, the spirit. But if you set your mind on things of the, of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. So, you notice that there's more to it. You know, I think there's there's a point where you, you set your mind on the spirit, so you won't sin, so you'll walk a righteous life. But then there's also a point where you walk in the spirit, and you walk in power. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think there's different levels of experiencing God, mm-hmm. and I think that's clear. Even though it's not spelled out, it's just like yep, you just see it throughout the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um. Next question. Uh, so the church in Corinth, um, they had no problems with speaking in tongues. Um, but they did have problems progressing in the other gifts. I think so. Okay. So I, they had, well, they, I well, think they had problems moving forward. Which yes, is the thing. So, um, is that why Paul? You do you think that Paul glorified prophecy? Because prophecy would have brought them to new places, right? Yeah. Is that probably why he he said prophecy is greater, or or yeah. do you or I mean, is that I mean, is that too theoretical? Like, I don't know. He says uh, pursue the the greater gifts, and he, he actually pluralized them. I think he meant the ones that were past tongues. Uh, I think he meant prophecy, but I think he also meant words um, of knowledge, words of wisdom. Yeah, and the ones. I've heard it said um, the greatest gift is the one you need right now. Mm. And I think that's a really good way to put it. Okay. Um, and the thing is, they were only sensitive to tongues. They were not being sensitive to what the body needed. They were only being sensitive to... Let's see here. They were just doing tongues. They weren't really discerning what what they needed to operate as a healthy congregation. Correct. Yeah. Um... And then you said that that tongues like is like a spiritual finesse whenever you're praying, like or, or an accuracy uh, makes you more efficient. Uh, what do you have a scripture scripture reference? To? I, I'm only going off of Ephesians chapter six, where it says to take the word of God as your sword, and then pray in the spirit on all occasions. Right after that, it says that. Okay. So I feel like those go together. Okay. I feel like that using the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, mm-hmm. and praying in the spirit on all occasions, is um, synonymous. I think that they work together. Okay. That's why I said that. That was something I felt like I had a personal revelation on when I read it. Okay. Have you ever thought that that... I don't know, it's just a thought. But when you ask that question, because I'm doing like good coordinates, strong good coordinates, let's break it down the spirit. What, is it, what does he really mean by praying in the spirit? Do you have to... Uh, do you have to have this speaking in tongues to edify your spirit you have to have speaking in tongues to what it means to be prayed in the spirit you know and so I think you need the word of god the word of god edifies your spirit 
Correct, but it also says that, that Jesus, when I do it, when I extend, right, I will send you yet another comforter, comforter who will lead you and guide you in all of truth. So you can read the word, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you, then how would you know the how would you know what to do, or how would your spirit man know what to do? That's why he sent the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit came, um, everybody's first gift was speaking in tongues. Yeah, I think. Uh, so with the la I think that the spiritual gift of tongues helped a lot of things. Um, you know, we have our our Bible readily accessible in our pocket. You know what I mean? At all times through our iPhones, and so we take for granted the the fact that we did not have a Bible back then that everyone could have their own personal copy of. I and would so, say, I would say personally, speaking in tongues. Uh, has literally edified my spirit knowing what to do and what to say at the right time. Because without me speaking in tongues was very hard. So I needed speaking in tongues uh, for me to operate in spirit and truth. Like I had to, because there was, like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, there, there was, because it talks about when you're speaking, when you're speaking in tongues, uh, Paul, Paul talks about, I, speak in tongues with the spirit uh with the holy spirit and my spirit that edifies him himself which is you know if, if i did that too which i do all the time but um i would say i would say yes you would need the uh i think what if what if speaking in tongues is the evidence of um or the manifestation of the holy spirit like one of like like a manifestation like a manifestation from the Holy Spirit, like it's more like you said, like more elementary as far as like, well, this is your first, this is your first thing you can achieve, or this is the first thing that is open to you, or you can receive it. It really takes faith to start talking in tongues. Yeah. Because. Because I didn't believe it when, when I when I saw people speak in tongues when I was younger. I didn't believe it. I thought that they were just running off off of their mouth, or I thought it was unbelief. I thought it was fake. But as soon as I, as soon as someone prayed for me, and just prayed for me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I started like there was a fire in me, and I started yeah. literally speaking. Because I was against it, I was against it at first. I thought it was, thought it was fake. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was heresy. Thought it wasn't real. And that was before I was a believer. But then all of a sudden, I was like, I kind of questioned it a little bit. I said, Well, what if it is real? So I would say that, that yeah, you have, I think it's a, yes. What, what, what were you getting out of the teaching today? Oh, that I can stand firm on tongues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just came to that realization. But I was praying in tongues with the verses just now, and I just received that, uh, well, number one, that I can, well, basically... Ephesians 6.18 and the First Corinthians 14.14 uh, 14, and then Jude 1.20 I can mesh those together so if I go to a church and they're, they're just blabbing out in tongues I mean I can stand firm on the fact that I, I disagree with that oh you mean like the whole church is going crazy yeah but I yeah. Can, and I can also stand firm on the fact that I can I can speak in tongues yeah 
and that is my communication with God, and God will edify me so that I can edify others. Yeah, everybody gets so worried about, oh, well, you're supposed to have an interpreter. So then I'm never supposed to speak in tongues ever then? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if I don't have an interpreter, I should speak to myself and to God. And so... And, and also, I was I was delving into the finesse thing. So I was like practicing different ways to speak in tongues just now while I was doing this. And there is something to what you were talking about. There is kind of like a, uh, a sharpening of your weapon. Yeah. You know. Well, I guess what I'm saying is the uh, the tongues. You know, I don't know I just, a whole know. lot. I've never um, delved. I've heard some people talk about how they got different multiple languages and things like that, and they can change their tongues or whatever. And I, I haven't really thought about it too much because I just want to preach the word, you know. Um, but <clears throat> I've, I've noticed this, that the tongues helps me become more, has made me more effective in other areas besides tongues. Does that make sense? I don't know how to gauge whether I'm doing tongues well. There's no way for me to tell. I, my mind is unfruitful. You know what I'm saying? So I just speak in tongues and whatever comes out, comes out. But what I believe that tongues is supposed to do is it's supposed to make me better at evangelism. It's supposed to make me better at teaching. It's supposed to make me better at understanding the mysteries of God. It's supposed to make me more wise. It's supposed to help me get words of knowledge. It's supposed to help me um, operate in faith and belief for healing. And uh, You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that tongues um, sharpens itself necessarily. I mean, I don't know. It could. Um, not really. I haven't delved into that. What I'm saying is I believe that tongues helps me become more efficient in other areas of ministry. It helps me just become better at it um, because I'm, like I said, I'm getting more revelation or I, or the Lord, I'll be praying in tongues and the Lord might show me a word of knowledge or a vision or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's the tongues that builds up my spirit, man, that helps me operate in other things a little bit more. I believe too as well, if, if you know, if the spiritual, if Apostle Paul urges us to pursue, uh, earnestly pursue at least um, then if someone was to come from a, from a standpoint where James was talking about, do you literally have to have tongues to pray in this, or, you know, to be in the spirit by, you know, spirit and truth. And um, if you earnestly seek gifts, I believe you can, you can obtain that gift because it's, you know, it's, it's out there, it's open. It's like, okay, here it is. And he also talked, I remember you talked about uh, unbelievers talks about First um, Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen. It talked about uh, tongues is for what is this unbelievers, right? So people not like people are not saved, but people who doesn't believe in speaking in tongues, or people who doesn't believe in other spiritual giftings. But I think he probably mentioned that because that's probably the most two uh, that are talked about the most in the churches even today: tongues and prophecy. Those are like the most two biggest things that are talked about in the church or in Christianity today. And so uh, probably Apostle Paul was just trying to put some order. And that's what that's what I see. He was just getting yeah. order and he was just saying, hey, look. Well, that's the last verse of the, of the deal. It says, you know, make it make sure everything's done decently and in order. Yeah. And then he also, but don't forbid speaking in tongues. That's so funny. It's like he could he could see already people were going to use this to well, smack down pro- tongues. Smack down tongues or prophecy. So, you know, and, and I, I, I didn't really notice that until I started reading into Scripture. When you, I mean, you were preaching, I was like, oh, i got to keep reading. Like, this is good stuff. I'm going to turn his hair on. So. All right, let's, let's wrap it up. Let's, uh, good. Praise God.